Yes, an exciting day, exciting time here. Um, and yeah, Rich, great to have you back up there in the, in the saddle again with the choir. That's great. Yeah. Um, and, and today, you know, if you've been wondering if these projectors are really going out since they haven't gone out yet, uh, this morning, uh, this projector over here died, and uh, Sean was able to give it mouth-to-mouth and resuscitate it. So uh, hopefully we can get another week or so because we've got the new projectors coming. They'll be here uh, a week from tomorrow. Um, they're going to be installed, so we'll look forward to that. Just need to uh, keep them limping through for one more week, and we're good. Okay. But this week we are starting out, um, you know, we've got Sunday school starting up. We've got, um, you know, all kinds of things starting up on Wednesday and just excitement, buzz in the air and all this kind of stuff. And we're also starting a new series, starting a new sermon series uh, that uh, we're calling Think Differently. This will be going for the next number of weeks. And uh, with this, uh, we, we uh, want to start off with a, a question that I think is important for really everybody to ask. Because, because we're going to be talking about some issues here that I think that we all face. The, the question is about patterns. And so the question is, asking yourself, and maybe of your relationships, your life, do I see a pattern here? Do I see a pattern here? You know, wh- maybe ask, why is it <clears throat> that I always seem to wind up back in the same place again, kind of like it's Groundhog Day? You know, that, that there are patterns that occur in relationships, patterns that occur in behavior, patterns that take place in life. And sometimes maybe it's easier to see those patterns in other people, where you look at other people and say, why do they keep doing that? Okay? Why is it that they keep getting into the same situation, getting into the same relationships, getting into the same kind of jobs, you know, whatever it is, why do these things keep happening? Well, while you're looking at other people and wondering why it keeps happening to them, you know, it's important to recognize that it happens to you too. You know, you can ask that question. Do I see a pattern here? Is, are things a little bit like Groundhog Day? Why is it that certain words, certain actions, certain events, maybe certain kinds of people even uh, are, are triggers for me? They cause me to respond in these predictable ways. Do I see a pattern here? Now, it's natural to look for somebody to blame for things that keep reoccurring in life that may be not that great. We can uh, blame the universe. We can blame God. We can blame other people. We can blame ourselves. But maybe there's a different way that we can go with this. Instead, look inside. We oftentimes talk about the heart, you know, and and out of the heart the mouth speaks, things like that. But in this series, we're going to talk a little bit higher than that. We're talking the mind. You know, look look inside your own head. And the Bible talks about that. Proverbs 23, verse 7, it says this. For as he thinks in his heart, or in the Bible, heart and mind are very connected, so is he. As he thinks, so is he. Or the King James Version. As he thinketh so is he, as a man thinketh. A person can put on a good front for a while, but given even a little bit of time, what's going to happen is that what's going to, what's going to happen out here is a result of my patterns of thinking. 
the way that I think. So 2 Corinthians says it this way. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does, which, by the way, is good news because that means that we have tools, we have weapons that the world does not have that we can use. It says that. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds, a word we're going to get at a little bit in just a little bit here. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Now look at the kind of thinking kinds of terms that he's using here in this passage. Okay, uh, so he's got the word knowledge, for example. Thought is another one. Arguments. Now pretension could be, I suppose, outward or inward, but, but he's after these patterns that occur in the mind. Thought patterns. Things that we tell ourselves, you know. Those kinds of things. And he goes on to say, to change your life, you need to take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And that's what this new series is about, this new series that we call Think Differently. Now, this series is actually based on a Bible study that you can get a hold of. Um, It's called the same name that we call the series, Think Differently. It's by James McDonald, and uh, the series, the preaching series is based on this, but it's kind of loosely based on this so that sometimes, you know, we're using the, the, the sound principles that he's presenting, but, but presenting them in a different way than he does. And other times we may be quoting from him, but nonetheless, if you want to go deeper with what we're talking about here in the next several weeks, I encourage you to, you can get on Amazon, uh, christianbook.com, things like that, and you can get this series for your, or this, this uh, Bible study for yourself and do it at home while we're doing it here if you'd like to do that. Now, in Scripture, we can see all kinds of examples of what we're talking about. One of them uh, we can find in John chapter 5, where uh, we see a man who definitely needed to think differently. He was stuck in a rut with his thinking. And it says this, sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews. Now, there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Talk about a rut. This guy had been stuck there for 38 years. It's a long time. But not half as long as some of the ruts that we represent here in this room. I mean, I'm in my 50s, okay? And um, I've got ruts in my life that have been there since childhood. That's longer than this guy. Some of us here might be in our 70s or 80s. And you may have some ruts that have been there since childhood. That's been there for a while. So Jesus asked him this question that he can ask of us as well. It's a thinking question. Where are your thoughts? Where's your head? He says, do you want to get well? Is there a stronghold there that keeps you from getting well? Is there something that has been holding you back? Something that is defeating you before you even begin to roll toward that pool? Is there something there? Where are your thoughts? Do you want to get well? Verse 7, 
Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. It's hopeless, he says. It's hopeless. He's defeated before he even begins. Healing might be for others, but it's not for me. I'm stuck in this rut, and I can't get out. If only he could have read 2 Corinthians to see Paul's words about strongholds, strongholds of the mind. Now, what is a stronghold, anyway? You know, it sounds like kind of a strange term. Okay, I won't mess up your music, but I'm going to use this as my prop, okay? All right, there's our stronghold. Now, let's pretend that I'm leading an army here back in the Middle Ages, okay? And I'm here at point A, and I've got to get to point C. But the problem is, is that there is something in the way, an obstacle in the way. It's a fortress, or also known as a stronghold. Okay, stronghold is a fortress. And in the fortress, there is an army that is holed up in there. They've got archers. They've got catapults. Um, they are well-trained. Uh, every purpose is designed to keep me from getting beyond them. And yet, I've got to get to point C. The only way I'm going to do that is by going through point B, the stronghold. Okay? And I try all kinds of things. I take my army and the strength that we have... And I storm the walls, but it doesn't work. As a matter of fact, there's a whole lot of pain involved in this. So instead of that, I go to the next plan, which is to engage in siege warfare, which is to dig trenches around the stronghold and to climb into the trenches and try to wait it out to, to hopefully starve them out. But they just seem to get stronger and stronger. They seem to keep getting reinforced. So this becomes the new normal. And by the way, a trench really is another name for a rut. Okay. And am I getting any closer to point C? It isn't happening because of the stronghold that stands in the way. We have strongholds in our mind. These thoughts that need to be taken captive to Christ. And in the case of the man by the pool, he had strongholds in his mind that needed to be taken captive to Christ. So, in walks Jesus. Jesus walked into his life and he asked him this. Do you really want to do something about that stronghold? Do you really want to get into the pool? Then you're going to have to expand your thinking. And Jesus, by speaking to him and speaking into his life, he began to expand his thinking so that now he began to see other possibilities other than what he was stuck behind. Jesus said this in John 5. He, he gave him a choice, and the choice was either obey Jesus or remain stuck. Get up, he said, pick up your mat, and walk. And once the man was cured, he picked up his mat and he walked. He took his thoughts captive and made them obedient to Christ. The man's rut was to think that there was only one way toward his goal, and that was to climb into the pool in time, uh, you know, before somebody else did, to race the rest of the invalids into the pool. But uh, Jesus instead expanded his thinking to include the possibility of doing something by obeying Christ, taking his thoughts captive and doing what Jesus said. So do you want to get from point A to point C? 
whatever that is? Do you want to get to that future that you have not been able to get to because of the strongholds in your own mind, in your own life? Then it's time to expand your thinking, to be able to take those thoughts captive and make them obey Christ. But what, is, what does that look like? Well, first of all, remember that you as a Christian have options that the rest of the world does not have. Because everyone who is alive today and everyone who has ever lived faces this problem that we're talking about, okay? It's just that you as Christians have options that the rest of the world does not have because it's a spiritual battle. You have the option of being able to take thoughts captive, take strongholds of the mind captive and making them obey Christ, while the rest of the world doesn't understand that as an option and they remain entrenched. We need to take advantage of the weapons that we have and consider a different option. Now, it's a lot like this, okay? Let's say, again, we're back in the Middle Ages, back in those days, if you wanted to take a fortress, if you wanted to take a stronghold, what you would do is you would haul out the big guns you would haul out the catapults. And the catapults were these things that would hurl these rocks at the intended object. And you're noticing as your catapults are dutifully hurling their rocks toward this fortress that they're just bouncing off the walls. It's not doing any good. And then in the midst of this, not doing much good, what happens is that uh, you've got a messenger who comes breathlessly running to you to say, hey, we found, we found some new weapons in the royal storeroom. And you say, that sounds good. What are they? And breathlessly, the, the messenger says, they are drones with laser-guided missiles. <laughs> and you look at the messenger, the breathless messenger, and say, what's a drone? You've got weapons that the rest of the world doesn't even know about, which is too bad because it's our job to help them know. But use the weapons you've got, which is the same thing that the, the man by the pool wind up doing. As he turned to Jesus, he made his thoughts that said it's hopeless, captive, and submitted them to Christ. And he expanded their mind, his, his mind to be able to see different things. Now, elsewhere in Scripture, you go back to the book of Genesis, back in the very beginning, what we're going to see is an example of a stronghold of the mind that everyone, regardless of who you are, everyone has to deal with. If you are alive, you have to deal with it. Now, in different ways, maybe, but you have to deal with it. And, the way, and, and, and what this stronghold is, is, is uh, something that's revealed in Genesis 25, where Rebecca the wife of Isaac gives birth to twins, twins, Esau and Jacob. And from the start, these two had very different personalities. Even in the womb, their personalities clashed with each other, and they already had within them the personalities that would drive their lives, drive their behavior from that point onward. So verse 25 says this, The first to come out was red, and his whole body was like a hairy garment, so they named him Esau, which means red. After this, his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel, so he was named Jacob, which means one who grasps. And he went on, Jacob went on to a life of grasping. He first was grasping for his brother's birthright, and then he's grasping for a wife, and then he's grasping for flocks and herds, he's grasping for wealth. And he meets up with a guy who was equally grasping in this personality that he had, and uh, that was Laban, his father-in-law. 
And these two personalities were exactly alike, and they wound up clashing with each, with each other. Have you ever noticed that? You know, where you, if, if you come up you know, against somebody who has a personality that is too similar to your own, that oftentimes you wind up in conflict with that person? You know, uh, that's the way that, that this was for, for Jacob. And this personality that he had from day one is what he lived out for the rest of his life. And within personality, there are great things, wonderful things, but there are also challenging things. And, and personality is, 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 is the vehicle through which we interact with the world. It's, it's how we interact with other people. It's how we engage other people. And with that, like with Jacob, we can wind up with some strongholds that keep us from our point C. And then there was Esau, who had his own very distinct personality. Esau was a hairy beast of a man, impulsive, instinctive. And because of his personality, uh, what he wound up doing was giving up his birthright, giving up the blessing, giving up that future that he wanted over here in point C. So how is it, then, that we might take these thoughts captive and submit them to Christ? Well, there's First of all, you know, we've got to get in touch with who we are. I mean, our personality inventories out there, a lot of which I don't think are all that great. You know, they kind of pigeonhole you into one particular thing. But what I like is, okay, the personality inventory that I like is this, the stories of Winnie the Pooh, okay? I mean, you know, think about it. Work with me on this, okay? There is, for example, Tigger, all right? Tigger. There he is. Tigger is extroverted. He's bouncing around all over the place. You know, energy bounces all over the place, and and, uh, in conversation, bounces from one thing to another. If you know a Tigger, you better hang on because you might get whiplash in the conversation, you know, with, with a Tigger. Now, what are the blessings and the problems of being a Tigger? There's blessings in there, but there's also strongholds in there of that. And then there is Eeyore who is a glass, half-empty, melancholy type. Who do you know who's an Eeyore? And what are the blessings and problems of that personality type? And then there is Piglet, who is fearful and paranoid that somebody's going to step on him. And uh, Piglet is nice and humble, but, but also maybe has somewhat of a potential victim mentality. Are you a Piglet? Or do you know somebody that is a Piglet? What are the blessings? What are the problems of being a piglet? And then, of course, there is Winnie the Pooh. Now, I'm not going to name all the characters in the Winnie the Pooh stories. You can keep going from there. But Winnie the Pooh, we've got to mention him, who is amiable, nice guy, who knows what is right, but is distracted by this kryptonite known as honey. And uh, Winnie the Pooh, well, are you a Winnie the Pooh? Do you know somebody who's a Winnie the Pooh? What blessings are there and what problems do you find with your head stuck in a honey jar or having to run from a swarm of bees? You know, Winnie the Pooh is another personality type. Your personality type is a blessing from God, but it is also, because it's the way you interact with the world and with people, a stronghold that can keep you from your desired future. But, like other strongholds that we are going to encounter in the weeks ahead, personality is something that we can also take captive to obey Jesus Christ. 
Now, in this series, it's a little bit different because each week kind of leads into the other. And it's not like each week is nice and neatly tied up in a bow or something like that. But instead, it's something that I'm going to invite you to go home and work with. What does it mean to take your personality type, your very personality, the very fundamental way that you interact with the world, what does it mean to take those thoughts captive and submit them to Christ? Something to work with this week. Experiment. Wrestle with that one. And next week we come back, we talk about another one. Okay? Whatever your strongholds are, the answer is to demolish them by taking them captive and making them obedient to Jesus. Now, the lame man, he discovered the joy, the hope, the healing that lies with thinking differently. In the weeks ahead, it's my prayer that you and I will discover that too, beginning today with our personalities.